here today. It's good to be back with you from my travels, so it's a privilege and honor to be able to worship you uh, this morning. I wanted to mention a prayer request that I was called and, and told to mention to the church before uh, service this morning. Uh, Dave and Linda Finkelstein had called me that their daughter Sarah uh, in, in, in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, was scheduled for C-section in two weeks. Well, the baby started crowning early this morning. And we began to pray, and as I was praying with the family, I come on into church because uh, Josiah came with me, and as I came in, he called me back and said, Baby Jordan was born this morning, so praise the Lord for that. So just want to thank you so much for praying and continue to pray for them. Uh, and, and a lot on our prayer list that we do continue to pray for. So, uh, what I would like to... Oh, there you go. I'm, I tell you, people don't understand. I can't see, okay, which that's obvious. But uh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I'm glad that... I thought you said Jordan. I'm sorry, Roman. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that means, brother. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you, buddy. So praise the Lord, you know, praise the Lord God. Here's the thing, and, and we'll learn this, and we've continued to do this over the past few years. What we have to understand is God don't work on our timetable. Okay? He works on his. So we praise God that he and his power and way, he takes care of it all, don't he? Amen? Well, I wanted to talk with you this morning. We are now getting back into the book of Revelation. We had taken a break during the time of Easter and and gone through some passages, and I want to talk to you this morning, which is a theme that I've continued on, though, about the power of deception. There was a school teacher who invested all of her life savings into a business that was supposed to be a thriving business. She had invested, actually it ended up being a Ponzi scheme, and she lost every single dime that she had, so she contacted the Better Business Bureau and said, I just lost every dime that I had, and these people are corrupt. She said, we knew that. Have you never heard of the Better Business Bureau? She said, I have heard of you. That's why I called you. She said, well, why didn't you call us before? She said, because I thought you would tell me not to do it. The power of deception. You see, this morning, I'm going to begin going back in the book of Revelation in chapter 13, Okay? Now, take into consideration that we had gone through the first books of Revelation. We talked about the introduction. Then we talked about the seven churches of Asia Minor. Then we talked about the seals. We see this scene in heaven where there's worship around the throne. John begins to weep when someone asks, who can break the seal? Remember? And nobody there could. And John wept and he was told, why are you weeping? The one who is the line of Judah can break the seal. As he breaks the seals, we begin to talk about each seal that was being brought out. We call this the tribulation period where God executes his judgment upon the earth. And you'll see all these things happening in between the breaking of the seals in chapter 13. You're introduced into some interesting characters, okay? You'll be introduced into the dragon, which is Satan. Then, then, you'll, have, uh, then you'll have the Antichrist. And then you'll have the false prophet. Now, I don't want you to get lost in because the promises. What we hear famous is we're going to go back to it. But what I want you to understand is the reason I'm starting here is it continues with our theme we've been going on through deception. 
Vody Bauckham said this, if we have no knowledge of the Bible, we have no knowledge of theology, we have no knowledge of doctrine, then we do not understand how to identify false prophets. What you will see happening in the world today are false prophets. We go through this and we talk about this continually. What does the gospel look like? And I see a lot of times we don't know how to identify false prophets, not only because we don't know the Bible, but we don't know Christ. Now go with me. Bodie Bauckham also said something that was very interesting to me. One thing that you will know, especially in the South, if we ask people if they're a Christian, most people will say yes. Are you a Christian? Of course we Yeah. But I want you to hear the second question that stumps people, and I guarantee you, you may be sitting here and it stumps you. Everybody says they are a Christian, but can you tell me why? Why are you a Christian? Can you answer that question? You see, if we don't have an understanding of the gospel, we don't have an understanding of the Bible, how can we identify those that are not of Christ? Because we are all like sheep, easily led astray. Okay? Now, I said all to say this because I want to talk about the false prophet that's introduced, introduced in chapter 13 and the lamb that's introduced in chapter 14. You will see a juxtaposition of, of text here. Okay? And, and I want you to see what one looks like and what one is. Then we'll get back to, to where we study in Revelation and look at the identity of these characters and, and what they're going through. Listen, we as a church have got to constant, constantly be aware of deception. There's a lot of people that are leading a lot of people astray under the guise of Christianity. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Revelation. Not Revelations, it's Revelation. Book of Revelation. Or you can have in your bulletin, you can look at it with me and we will read. Revelation chapter 13, 11 through 18. I think your bulletin is a CSB. So I'll read out of that so we'll be all in unison. I usually read from the NASB, but we'll be reading from the CSB this morning in uh, your bulletin. So it says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and it had two horns like, and I want you to underline that, a lamb. But it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all authority of the first beast on its, beast on its behalf and compels the earth and those who live in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. We'll get into that later. It also performs great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in front of people. It deceived those who lives on the earth because of the signs it is permitted to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who live on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. It was permitted. Underline that to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast could not speak or could both speak and cause what, whoever would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And it makes everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead 
so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, the beast's name, or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast because it is the number of the person. Its number is 666. Ooh, here we go. Ooh, that dreaded number. Now, I want you to think about what's going on here. Now, again, in the previous chapters, two chapters before, you're introduced into some savory characters. But what I want to look at this morning is the power or deception that we need to understand that this character, which is known as the false prophet, will promote the other two individuals. He is a promotion of them. And I want you to look just for a few minutes and think with me because here in America, we seem to have an identity crisis. Come on. Am I wrong? We can't decide what pronoun we want to use. We can't decide who is what and who is what. You know, like I said, I used to love the Tasmanian devil, but I can't, you know, identify that. Well, I guess I could, but I can't spin through trees. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, we can't identify something, but yet they say we can. But here's the thing, and we laugh at that. And I talked about this Wednesday, but listen to me. We got people that identify themselves as Christians that are lost as last year's Easter eggs. Have an identity crisis. So identities are very important. And what I want you to look at with this is you have a false prophet who has the horns like a lamb. Now he may look innocent. He may have an appearance that would draw people to him. Whoever this person is that rises up has an impression or gives off the impression that he is Christ or he is of Christ. He is not the Antichrist. He is someone who promotes a false Christ. But he looks good. He has an appearance that will draw people unto him. He looks like a lamb. Now this is very interesting to me as I read this text. Because there's a lot of people that look like a lot of things. But I want you to look what the text says. But it spoke like a dragon. In the midst of its looks, in the midst of its inner core, it was satanic. Perception can be misleading. You see, the Bible tells me that we've actually even did that with the image of Jesus. Now, you've heard me use this illustration several times, and I'm not trying to be harsh for those who have pictures of Jesus in their house. But as we often know, as we see those pictures, that he is this perfectly clean, blue-eyed man, perfectly manicured body, face. And Isaiah says that he was not something that men would be attracted to him. I didn't say that. God's word did. But we created a God in our, what? Our image. You see? He looked like he should look according to the world. So look what it says. But inside he had a heart of a dragon. 
It exercises all authority of the first beef and on, a beast, I said it twice, and on behalf it compels the earth and those who live on it to worship the first beast, which is the Antichrist. He compels people. Not only does he look deceptive, his speech is deceptive. Now this is where I want to be honest with you and why I wanted to get into this. You see, what is happening here in this point in time of history is something like you've never seen before. It's horrendous. But the same characters, if you will, not these specific, but those like them are doing things on this earth right now. They tell you things. They compel you to say, look, it's going to be okay it's all good because like sheep, we are easily led astray. And you say, well, Chad, there's nobody can compel me to do anything. Oh, 1978, Jim Jones convinced 909 people to kill themselves by drinking cyanide lace Kool-Aid. 1997, more that I remember, was a man named Marshall Applewhite convinced 39 people to kill themselves because there was a spaceship behind the comet Hale-Bob. The power of words. The power of deception. Compelling people. You need to worship him because he will make everything okay. You see the theme here? Promoting that which is not true because that which is not true often attracts people because it's what they want to hear. This is what they want to hear. I'm going to tell you something. How can these people do this? How will these people during the tribulation time, why would they do this? Why would they follow him? I want you to hear me very clearly. Every single, and I don't want to sound cliche, but listen to this. Every single human being born is born with a God-sized hole that they will try to fill with anything that brings them satisfaction. We all longing for something higher. And what do we do? We try to fill it with things because it makes us feel better. It makes us desire that that we are happy with. We all are missing that void. The only person that can fill that void is Jesus Christ. But what happens is, the majority, listen to me, this is very important to this text, we'll see in the next chapter, the majority will not get it. They will be deceived by the power of words, by the power of appearance. And this that will happen in the great and terrible times, right now is happening as well. Listen to me. If you can't hold on to the foundation today, I can promise you, when things get rougher, you're not going to hold on either. That's the reality. So this beast, this false prophet, he compels the earth and those who live on it to worship. He compels the earth and those who live on it the majority of the people are deceived. Whose fatal wound was healed. And we'll talk about this a little later, but 
there's an opportunity here. Well, let me go a little bit further, and I'll tell you what I'm talking about. It deceives, okay, it also performs great signs, even causes fire to come down from heaven to earth in front of the people. Hmm, that's reminiscent of something of in the Old Testament. Remember Elijah? He called down the fire on the prophets of Baal. This man is able to cause fire to come down too. That would give a lot of people an interesting thought. But he's a false Elijah. Because his very purpose is not to glorify God, who is all authority. His purpose is to glorify himself in the Antichrist. Different motives. We must often ask ourselves, whom do we seek to glorify? The first evidence of a false prophet is those who seek to glorify themselves rather than Christ, they are false. When men seek and women seek to glorify themselves over Christ, they're lost. Well, how can you tell the difference, Chad? Listen and compare it to the Word of God. I want to tell you right quick, like there's a person that told me a while back, he said, Chad, I don't know if I actually agree with your timing on some of this stuff in Revelation, but what I will tell you is this, you've got us to examine Scripture. And that's my purpose. Because here's the deal. Most people believe more what the Bible, or people say the Bible says, than what the Bible actually says. We regurgitate what other people say and hold on to them. They could be a false prophet. Challenge the word. I'm not saying everybody's going to agree with me. I'm not saying I'm going to make everybody happy. I can promise you that is not my goal. Happiness is down here. Your souls are here. So I'm not worried about happiness, but I tell you what, right now, listen to this. Some of you are maybe new here. Some of you... Or visiting, praise God, we're glad you're here. But I'm going, to tell you, I'm going to tell you something. And I say this for myself, and I say this for any church you've ever gone to. If any pastor has a problem and you go up to him and say, I don't know, I don't understand this with Scripture. If they tell to you, instead of let's look at Scripture together, you just believe what I say, then you better flee. There is one final authority, and his name is Jesus Christ, and God has given us his word. False prophets deceive they deceive by the way they look. They deceive in what they say. They deceive by signs and miracles. Let me tell you something. What is a miracle? Now, oftentimes we want to uh, 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 communicate that miracles are a sign from the Almighty. Let me tell you a little secret. See, a miracle is something that is what I would call supernatural that occurs outside the understanding of man. Okay? Demons have power too, people. They have power too. Test by Scripture. Test by Scripture continuously. If you know the Bible, you know theology, and you know doctrine, then you can identify false prophets. Not every one of us are called to be preachers and teachers. But as Christians, we are all called to learn and share the Word of God. But look, again, this is, we're, we're, I'm applying this to our time. Yes, this is a future event. 
It's going to get worse. And only a remnant will survive. Well, let's look a little further. He said he'd make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. It was permitted to give breath to this image of the beast so that image of the beast could not could both speak and cause whoever would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now look, somehow, some way, or shape, or form, or fashion, this image speaks. Some supernatural event occurs. Something that does not make any sense, and people will believe. Why? Remember what we talked about last week? Jesus told him, man, you look for signs and wonders. People love to see signs and wonders that convince them. They want that open door. They want that burning bush. But yet, people are often misled by signs to think they're godly, and they are not. Now, bear with me on this as I say this. You see, if you remember the story of Moses and Aaron before Pharaoh, something interesting happens. Okay? Remember, as Mo Moses is throwing down the staff, the Bible tells me that Pharaoh conjured up two magicians who could simulate some things that Moses did. They could trick you too. They were sorcerer, they practiced sorcery too. Let me tell you something. Evil people can do evil things that will manipulate you under the guise of Christianity. They were able to do this. How is this possible? I do not know. But what I do know is many people will be deceived. Just as people are deceived now. They're deceived because they're not rooted where they need to be rooted. Look what the Bible says. It was permitted... We'll get to that in just a minute. It was permitted to give breath to the image so that the image... Yes, we're going to get to it now. Let me tell you something. It was permitted. The difference between the false prophet and Jesus Christ is the false prophet is permitted. Jesus Christ don't need anybody's permission. He is the authority. Let's move on. To give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast could speak and cause whoever would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So you think, Chad, that's being a little harsh. You think emperor worship is something new? Something new? Caesar proclaimed himself as God. Remember the crucifixion of Jesus? What did the people do? Our authority is in Caesar. We don't know this man. Oh, how people are easily turned. How people are easily deceived. Worshiping people as a God is not something that's new, but actually something that's growth. And it'll get worse. And it makes everyone small, great, rich or poor, free, rich or poor, free or slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or his forehead. Now we're getting into this part. I love this. Look. In other words, what John is saying right here is during this time, all of humanity, all of humanity that does not receive this mark 
Can't even buy food. Won't you read throughout history of the persecution of the Jews that had to walk with the Star of David on their chest? You think this is something new? That people have to be identified as something in order to get something? Members only, right? You see, what happens here is through the brute force of the Antichrist, which we'll get in later as we get through these texts, the false prophet comes in subtly with an appearance to deceive, to manipulate, to make you worship this Antichrist. And if you do not, either your life or you don't eat. So what do you do? What happens when the person of Christ is confronted with persecution? Good question. You see, the Bible tells me, yeah, we get to 666. I want you to listen to this. I'm going to make a point here you're going to love. I pray you do. <clears throat> so you get this number. Now, I want to go ahead and clear the air here. There are a lot of theologians out there in the world. As I often tell people, I'm not the best preacher in the world. There's many preachers that can preach the gospel better than I can. But nobody can preach a better gospel than I can because there's only one gospel, and God will use that and shape that for his glory. Okay? But what I will tell you this morning is a lot of theologians who can slice frogs' hairs right in half can have a lot of opinions on this. Whether it's going to be a credit card, whether it's going to be a tattoo, whether it's going to be something written across our head, our arm, whether it's a chip. Oh, how the accusations are flying now, brothers and sisters. It's been any... 666 and the Antichrist have been anything from... Well, no, I better be careful with that. But anyway, all I'm going to say is this. Every time something comes up, oh, that's the mark of the beast. Let me tell you something. This mark of the beast ain't something that we're going to just think on in a whim. When it hits, it's going to hit hard, and you'll know it. Now listen to me. So get 666. Now, that number is fascinating. Now, people have actually said Hitler was 666 by adding up certain numbers. We've had people throughout time try to make some mathematical equation to come up with 666. Well, let me tell you something if you look at Scripture and what we've been talking about. You will see the number of true completion is what? Seven. You hear me? Seven. Listen good, because this is what I believe with all my heart. Six comes one short of seven. And no matter what this man can do, he don't measure up to Jesus Christ. He falls short. We, not, we need to quit looking at what's not there and look at what's there. Jesus is complete. And 666, man, don't get drawn down by what it is. Big get drawn in for who's greater than that. Let one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. Because this number of a person is the number 666. Well, I can promise you this, it falls short of 777. Amen? thirsty. He deceives with appearance. He deceives with words. He deceives with power. Once that deception is complete, he manipulates the system. Now he's got control. But let me tell you something about this beautiful juxtaposition in these texts. Go to chapter 14. Then I looked 
and there was a lamb. You see the wording? One was like a lamb. The other is the lamb. And he was standing on Mount Zion, the high pinnacle in Jerusalem. Oh, boy, I could get into Mount Zion. I'm going to do that one day on Wednesday night. Let's talk about Mount Zion. Oh, the beautiful place. Thank you, Ezra the prophet. You hear me. And I saw a lamb standing on Mount Zion. And with him, 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. See, what happened right here is if you look at the previous chapter, you what we got called the unholy anti-trinity. Satan, the antichrist, and the false prophets. But let me tell you what you got in chapter 14. You have the trinity, Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen? Look what he says. And with him were 144,000 who had his name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like a sound of a cascading waters and like a rumbling of loud thunder. And the sound I heard were like harpists playing on their hearts and they sang a new song before the throne and before the living creatures and the elders. But no one could learn the new song except the 144,000 who had redeemed on earth. Now let me tell you about this 144,000. And people have debated this. But I'm not going to focus on the number. I'm going to focus on their ceiling. Because <laughs> I want you to understand. How, do you remember when we talked about in the earlier chapters, when God pours out, who can stand? Who can stand through trouble and tribulation? Who can stand through all these things? Those who have been sealed. Those who have been sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ can stand. We must understand that the only way to get through a sinful world is rooted on the person and the work and the proclamation of Jesus Christ. Period. There's no other way. And what happened is you said, well, Chad, everybody in this time had to eat. So they didn't do it? Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm getting wound up. Listen. These sealed are standing around. And you see this point of worship. And you see the elders and the angels, or, and the living creatures, the angels. And you see them, and they're singing a song that only the 144,000 themselves could sing. Listen to me. How is that? How do they sing a new song? Well, I can promise you these people that are sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ that walk through what no other man has walked through have a story to tell. You see, I think sometimes we miss it. These people, at the very pinnacle of the worst thing can ever imagine, stood firm. They did not bow. They did not bow. I could not help but think as I was reading this text that they'd been signed, sealed, and delivered. So what do you mean? Because of their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, their name is signed in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because they have placed their faith and trust in Christ, in Christ alone, they are sealed until the day of redemption. And they will be delivered. Amen? 
They are delivered. Look what the Bible says. He hears this sound. In the midst of all this chaos, from Revelation chapter 6 forward, in the midst of the chaos of the retelling of step by step, as John will go through, you see all hope is lost in a sense. But the remnant that stood fast that no hope was coming. And the hope that points to Jesus Christ. Look what it says. These are the ones that have not defiled themselves with women since they remain virgins. And I want you to think about this now. Is he talking about the 144,000 or men? No. What he's saying is, these are people that have not defiled themselves with sin. You see, I'm going to tell you something. We talked about this. Listen to me. And I want to bring this text into this sermon. I want to make something perfectly clear. You see, a true born-again believer in Jesus Christ knows that a sin is any act or thought or inner disposition that separates us from the holiness of the Father. Okay? Now, there's, as I said Wednesday night, there's two lists that you will find, the book of Corinthians and the book of Galatians, of people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, now listen to me. Adulterous, homosexuals, you hear this, but also those lists contain liars, covetous, people who are swift to get angry. As one man told me one time, Chad, that covers everybody, absolutely. There is none righteous, no, not one. We pick and choose what we call sin because of our own self-righteousness and the atmosphere of humanism that surrounds us. And that's why it's often said that American Christianity is based more on a godless culture than it is the Word of God. Because we decide what is sin. I don't like that person over there. They've had a fair. Well, you know what? That same person, the head of the fair, is going to hell, the same hell as the person over there is a liar. But we don't like to hear that. Because our moral compass is jaded by our own self-righteousness. And what you have here are those who've not been defiled. Who did they hold to? The only one that they can hold to, and that's Jesus Christ. And they are able to sing a new song. Why? Because even in the midst of their hell through the, the hell coming after them, even through the midst of all the hell that's around them, heaven prevails. You see, the Bible says they did not defile themselves with a woman since they remained virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They were redeemed from humanity as the first fruits for God and the Lamb. For no lie was found in their mouths, and they are blameless. You see, here's the difference. You see, with a false prophet, you have a person that appeals to people's emotions, their feelings. They hear what they want to hear. Now, I want you to go with me on this. And again, you say, Chad, how can this happen? How many of you like to fish? Okay. Well, let me give you an example. A lot of times, if you do certain types of fishing, you have to chum. <clears throat> what does chumming mean? Throwing enough of the bait out there to draw something in. You give them an appetizer until they get the real food. And when they get the real food, they get caught, don't they? You see, that's how false prophets work. They chum the waters to give you a little bit of a morsel of something that sounds good. 
until you get hooked and so surrounded and consumed by it that it's too late. And you're caught. You see, those who are misled during this time, just like today, by the false prophets, are those whose roots are not on Jesus Christ, but on the world. You can't serve two masters. You can't. And I think something that was interesting to me, as I was reading this text, my wife said something very amazing to me. This text at the end of verse 5 says, or 4 says, They were redeemed from the humanity as the first fruits of God. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. See, these are the ones that are spiritually alive and not spiritually dead. And Tiffany said something to me the other night. She said, as we was meeting with her, actually, she was having supper with a couple. She said this, and I cannot help but repeat it. The only voice that dead people can hear is Jesus's. You hear me? Those that are spiritually, vo- spiritually dead hear Jesus' voice. They're the only one. What do you mean, Chad? There was no magician or anybody else that could help Lazarus out of the tomb, was he? Lazarus, come forth. Jesus has the authority to raise the spiritual dead. And his sheep know him. And they follow him. Because not only does his sheep, does his sheep know him, most importantly, he knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. And they are blameless. But you said, Chad, it's going to be a tough time. How do you, how do you fathom that during this time, this, this remnant, they don't take the food? They don't take the mark. How do they eat? Now, the Bible don't tell us, tell us that everybody is killed during this time. It's not clear on that. We don't know exactly what, but we know this. If they don't die, they're miserable. So what happens? How in the midst of all this can a born-again believer that is saved during this time, how do they get through it? If you have your Bibles, please turn with me just for a few moments to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to tell you how. You see, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version and I'm going to focus on one part of it. I'll explain to you real quickly in Reader's Digest version what Ephesians 1 means. God made us, Jesus saved us, and the Holy Spirit has sealed us. But I want to focus on this sealing for a few moments. Listen. Verse 13, in him you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. Listen, let me tell you something. I want to make this clear for everybody. The once The one at the time you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your life has been impacted by Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. You have it. Christ promised. And that Holy Spirit that convicted your heart of sin, 
that gives you guidance through God's Word, that gives you spiritual gifts, that same power, listen to me. How did they get through it? Listen to me. How did they get through it? That same power also sustains you. It sustains you. Look, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession of the praise of His glory. Let me tell you something. It is the working of the Holy Spirit that is greater in us than what's in the world. Amen? That's how you get through it, my brothers and sisters. Listen to me. I know that this is troubling and scary times for a lot of people. I know people are afraid for their jobs. They're afraid for the gas prices. We see things getting worse. Can you imagine this? If we cave to the little things, we're not going to be able to stand the big things. Listen to me. That's why we need each other. To encourage and hold one another accountable. First and foremost, we have to hang on to the rock of Jesus Christ. You see, I found myself as I was traveling back from Pennsylvania amazed for a few minutes, which I'm easily amazed, but... I went to a Burger King to get me a Bacon King. You can see I need that, but that's what I was going to get because we were traveling. And at the Burger King where we got off the exit of Pennsylvania, it was $13.99. $13.99 for a Bacon King. Now, this is the small combo. Now, let me know, you get drinks and fries. You drink seven French fries. But, 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 and you know, I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. Now, and we laugh at this, and I'm using this as an illustration, okay? It amazed me. How in the world are we going to survive this? Gas was $4.69 a gallon. And I got one of those trucks, you go up the road and see the gas hand moving, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, okay, I, I'm just kidding. But no look. So I calculated if me and my family got the regular basic combo, I was going to pay 50 bucks at a fast food store. Then that infuriated me. <laughs> so listen, this is great. <laughs> so I go into this Weiss market. Weiss is like the Ingles of, of there. And I go flying in there and I go to their deli. Oh, there's chicken. None of you so I'm grabbing stuff. I grab like three bags of chicken. I think some jalapeno poppers, which that's healthy, and, and, and mozzarella sticks or something. I came to JoJo's. I can't remember what that was, but it's like five bags. And I got three drinks, and it's 50 bucks. <laughs> so, so <coughs> I guess I'd have spent less at Burger King. Here's the point. Now, down here, the Bacon King's not that much, and my son didn't believe me, and I had to take pictures and show him. But here's the moral of the story. <coughs> If I panic over something like that, what's going to happen when I can't buy a thing? You see, our sustenance is in Jesus Christ. And the thing that I want you to learn through this whole message is this. <coughs> My prayer, through preaching through this text, is that we see a revival. That people come to an understanding that the government, nor their job, is going to save them. Not gonna happen. 
Your 401k, trust me, I, I got retirement coming from another company many years ago, and every time I get a letter, it's going down, down, down. You must ask yourself, who is your provider? Because if your provider is the world, I can assure you, what you have, somebody else will have. And when you leave this world, somebody else is going to have it anyway. But in whom do you put your trust? I wanted to go through this part of Revelation because I want you to see that during this great time of tribulation and judgment, that people are so easily deceived because they want what they hear. And then once they've been grasped, just like chum in the waters, it's over. And guys, we see that now and not nowhere near a scale. That people are manipulating people. Who do you put your trust? Whom do you hold on to? What is your sustaining? You see, a lot of people call themselves believers. But one thing that I learned through this text, that during this time, it's a remnant. It's a remnant. Even Jesus preached that on earth. Narrows the gate to righteousness. And how many find it? Few. And broad is the gate or the path that leads to destruction. How many find it? Many. The narrow road is Jesus Christ. And I told that to tell you all this. Guys, you may say you're Christian, but why? And if you are, in whom do you continually hold? Because I can promise you that nothing on this earth that is given to you, nothing that you will ever have, whether it's materialism, whether it's a sack full of friends, they will let you down and abandon you too. The only constant is the true lamb, the true prophet, Jesus Christ. He's the only true one. And I'm praying that as a body of believers, that not only, listen, not only does our life reflect it, but our voices tell it. I think it was Paul Washer that said, look, your life is not the gospel. It might be a result of the gospel, but the gospel is something that must be shared. People see the fruits of the gospel, but the gospel has got to be shared. Listen to me, here it is. Why have we been doing this? Why are we going through this? There's a lot of speculation about what's going to happen in the future. I don't know who, what, who's going to happen tomorrow. I know who holds tomorrow. But the churches are not being prepared correctly. And the only thing that's going to sustain us is not this building. One day it'll pass away too. The only thing that's going to sustain us is Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that just like me, whenever one of you leave this earth, whether it be today, whether it be 200 years from now, that just like the remnant, we have been signed, sealed, delivered. That when you leave this earth, you are a cross-eyed rock and roll Christian. That your eyes are on the cross, your foot's on the rock, and your name's on the roll. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you so much for, Lord, the, giving us the opportunity and the freedom to worship you. Lord, so many people do not do that. Yet I often think the freedom that we have, we often manipulate because of it. God, we, we, we are given many things that we're... We so do not deserve.
And God, I pray for me, I pray for this congregation, that we'll all hold firm to the foundation that we profess. God, it's easy to get up here and say things, but when you walked in somebody's shoes, it's a different story. God, I know on my own power, I can fail at any given time. So can we all. Well, Lord, I pray that I, as well as the rest of us, remain anchored on the rock of our salvation. That God, as things are changing throughout this world, as prophets preach what people want to hear, as lives are just torn apart and moved by things instead of being transformed by you, that God, we be a beacon to this community, we be a beacon to the world, we be a beacon in our world workplace, that not only our lives show that we have changed by the gospel, that God, we share the gospel, that men may be saved. God, I thank you for all that you've done. I thank that all that you're doing. And God, I pray that every person that leaves here, that you will ignite a fire under them to understand that as they go through those doors, they're entering into the mission field. We love you and praise your name. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us.